Hey guys, this is Ben Blacker, the creator and usually the moderator of the Nerdist Writers panel. Thanks for downloading this podcast. Um, today's podcast is a good one for you Once Upon a Time fans. You are really going to love this. There's uh, a lot of cool stuff about this season, uh, this third season of Once Upon a Time. Uh, this is from the Austin Television Festival, ATX. Um, and, you know, Austin, I, I've talked about it before, ATX always has incredible programming. If you haven't gotten your badges for next year, go get them. Uh, it's June 5th through 8th. Go to atxfestival.com. I think the badges are still uh, discounted, and it's, it's, it's just the most fun you can have in Austin. No offense, Austin Film Festival. I'll talk about you in a minute. Um, this past year they had all kinds of great stuff, including, you know, these screenings and panels, uh, they had reunions from Boy Meets World and Friday Night Lights and American Dreams. Um, it, it was really cool. Uh, a lot of unexpected things, things you can't see anywhere else. Uh, so go to atxfestival.com to get your badges for next year. I will definitely be there. Um, I, I would never miss it. They, they couldn't keep me away. They might try even, but they can't. Uh, you know, the other great thing to do in Austin is right around the corner. Uh, it's the Austin Film Festival which is happening this October, 24th through 31st. I'll be doing a live Nerdist Writers panel there, uh, and I apologize that we haven't done many live panels these past few, past few months, so this is a chance to rectify that. As soon as I know who's going to be on the panel, I will let you guys know. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, or go like the Nerdist Writers panel on Facebook. Uh, that's also a great way to tell me who you guys want to see on panels. But uh, AFF has some great panelists this year, including Jonathan Demme, Vince Gilligan, uh, some really incredible people. So I'm sure we'll come up with a great panel. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I've never been to Austin Film Festival before. Everyone was raving about it last year, so I can't wait to check it out. Um, so go, that's once again, austinfilmfestival.com. Uh, go, go to that. I'll be there, as I said, doing a writer's panel, but also moderating a bunch of things. Um, and say hello if you see me, uh, and if you heard about it through this thing. Um, what else can I tell you? Uh, this episode of the writer's panel, as I said, is the Once Upon a Time one taken from ATX. Uh, it's with the show's creators, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis, uh, who are great and charming as they always are. Um, the problem with this is the audio is not great or charming. Uh, there were some uh, some issues there. I was not there for this recording, um, and it was recorded at a very low level. If you're listening in headphones, you'll be fine. Uh, if not, I'm sorry. You'll work it out. In the middle of this interview, they screened a short kind of teaser for the Once Upon a Time spinoff about Wonderland. Uh, I cut that out, and I, but I left a little gap, so you'll you'll see where that happens. Um, please don't come running to me to tell me that your podcast is broken. It's not broken. You're good. You can handle it. You're all smart people. Um, because I feel so bad about uh, the audio quality on this, I'm going to release a bonus episode later this week. Uh, so look for that. Update your feeds. Uh, I'm not sure which day it'll go out, but sometime between this episode and Saturday's comic book panel, which is a great one. Uh, I'm excited for you guys to hear the comic book panel. Oh, are you not listening to the Nerdist Writers Panel Comics Edition? You should be. They're really fun. Uh, this Saturday's panel, they come out every Saturday, and this Saturday's is an interview with Ashley Miller, and it's all about Thor. Um, Adam Beechin, our co-host on the panel, brought Ashley in 
to talk about all of his work adapting uh, um, Thor as well as you know X-Men First Class and uh, the upcoming Fantastic Four and a bunch of other things. But I monopolized the first half hour of the time talking about Thor. Uh, so that's, that's what this uh, Saturday's comics edition is about. And then we'll do the second half of Ashley's interview next Saturday. And I think you guys will really dig that. Thank you, as ever, for listening to the podcast. Um, I told you about Twitter. I told you about Facebook. Please leave us a review on iTunes. It is always helpful uh, to us and to A26LA who benefits from these panels. Uh, Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy this chat with the creators of Once Upon a Time. Oh, I also should have told you that the questions uh, are cut out because someone did not go into the audience with a microphone and uh, the moderator, who did an otherwise great job, didn't repeat the questions. So that's weird and it's annoying and I apologize. But uh, you'll, you'll get the gist from the answers about what the questions were. Thanks. Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah. We joined Lost in the in the middle of the first season and stayed there for the entire run of the show and uh, had an amazing experience there working with Damien Carlton and when Lost ended, NBC was kind enough to ask us if we had any ideas for shows of our own and we had this idea for Once Upon a Time which we had actually we first started talking about right after Felicity, so almost ten years ago now even more maybe and um, at the time we had ambitious and had nothing to say to do it. You're not supposed to break the dog's report when you say it. Uh, you said, we'd like to break the dog's report and Joe's board A. <laughs> <laughs> and we've never run a show before. Can we do that? And they were like, absolutely not. We are passed on by everyone. And then when Lost happened, we made it. Like, we, it really broke the ground because people were much more interested in, in, in shows that were good for us than Because Lost was so unique in its storytelling and so was Once Upon a Time, do you think if Lost had never come into your lives that you would be able to do the show as you do it now? Absolutely not. I, I think, you know, it was, as we said, a kind of mindless experiment. And, and we had the idea. Yeah, we, we, we had the initial idea we had for Once Upon a Time had a lot of the elements you see in the show now. There's Queen of the Queen, which has this curse, a town. There was a, a woman, and she had a kind of dark relationship with Mr. Henry. But we had no idea how to tell the story. We had had all these elements and we couldn't figure out how to kind of put them together and how we could, you know, we knew stuff happened in the fairy tale land and stuff happened in our world, but we just couldn't figure out how to craft a telling of it. And then after the years on Lost and, you know, the Damien Carlton and when you kind of took it, put to it with fresh eyes, you know, you were able to kind of figure out, oh, this is how you tell it. And the idea of going back and forth between worlds and looking at the characters and backing them up and asking them to do it. Chorus, and so we decided, of course, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. 
it's like, why do we want to end the fairy tale story? Like that's kind of, it's kind of taking that story and then kind of giving a perspective and like taking away the rationality of the movie. And then once, once that happens, that's a plot that works. I think, I think it works. Um, let's get back to talking about the end of season two and where we'll start with season three. You know, season two, in, in the first half of that season, a lot of characters were separated. Um, and it looks like we could see the same thing with season three. Is that safe to say, or what's your plan? I, I think the major difference um, is that there are characters that are separated, um, but uh, for us what's interesting is that you see this motley crew on the ship, and you're wondering how the hell are they going to get through this? And so, um, you know, you've got a core dysfunctional family on a ship heading to Neverland uh, to, to get back Henry. And so... Um, I think it's, it's, they're separated in a different way. Oh, I'm not even on. You know, and we, we also have, you know. Much more interesting amplified. The, the characters. We got the, the characters. Uh, is that me? Um, we got the characters left behind in Storybrooke, like Belle, and, and those folks and what they're going through. So it's, um, we've hopefully created a situation where the dramatic stakes are heightened, but they allow us to, delve deeper into each of the characters and to, to kind of use the next season to really go into what makes them tick and, and how they're going to react to these new situations. A any idea how long we're going to be on that path? Yes. As far as that? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you know, I, w I, I will say this. One of the things that we're most excited about um, is that, uh, and I know that the audience loves uh, when the show is off air for four weeks at a time. It's a good schedule no. for everyone. Oh. We should... So this year we're just going to show you one act, and then a year later show you the ne no. Ten we're minute yeah. intervals. So this year we're going to do 11 episodes in fall and 11 in spring, and the we're approaching it like two seasons. And so the first 11 is going to be a very focused, contained, beginning, middle, and end journey for uh, for these characters. So, so no reruns in the middle, just 11 straight through? Is that the plan? I, th I think so. I think that the, the, the plan well, yeah. currently is it will run sometime in starting in the fall through December, and then come off and then come back in the spring for 11 straight. I like that. You guys like that? Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, sure. um, I, I, I asked for questions via Twitter, and nice. my Twitter blew up. Oh, wow. Um, probably the most asked question that they wanted me to ask you guys, do you guys know what Captain Snow means? Um, my guess, no. Uh, Hook and Snow White? <laughs> Captain, Captain Swan. Oh, See, well I that messed it up. That, Captain that, Swan. That makes more. I'm a, no. Really? Someone wants Snow, Snow to leave Charming for Hook? Let's Souls. Let's, let's, let's right. go back, let's back in time. That? I don't know. I, that's, a, that's a tougher thing. We I weren't yeah. thinking of that. Um, Captain Ca Snow. Uh, I would Captain say that Swan. Emma, look, I, the thing that I like about Captain Hook in the finale, he started to look back on his life, and he was like, you know, maybe I've wasted it. So here you've got a guy that wants a new chance, and I think being surrounded by all these characters last year, and even seeing his nemesis, Happy, with someone else, made him realize that you know maybe after all these hundred years, I need to get over Mila. Um, so who knows? You know they're on the ship together, and Emma thinks Neil's dead. So Wait, his nemesis is Happy, isn't it? Hook, Hook, Rumple. The, the, not the dwarf. Did I say Happy? Well, I think he meant Rumpel. Yes, yes, Rumpel is. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Horowitz. We're doing a bit. <laughs> so it's not just me. Okay, yeah. that's good. Um, we'll talk and talk about Hook because that's such an iconic figure you guys brought into the show this past year, 
and uh, of course the audience really took to him. Did you guys kind of see that early on, or is it one of those things where after a couple episodes you're like, let's let's I keep mean, this guy around? We we hoped, and we got so lucky with with finding Colin and getting him to agree to do the show that um that you know we fell in love with him and the character we immediately. Yeah, I mean, I, I could you know the staff, all of us, we just loved writing the character of Puck and had great ideas. So you're just hoping, and and I think really Colin elevated it. You know, I mean, when you see it in that finale, yeah. like. Uh, you, you know, when you're on set and he walks in with that guy liner and that long leather coat, like, even we're like, whatever you want, man. I think you guys told me there was a network note about Hook. Basically. Like, they, they wanted him to come to dinner at their house, yeah. No, they <laughs> I think we all would. Um. It was the only, it was one of the very rare instances of an email chain I had where the note was more guy liner. Because we had it once, and then the next episode, they someone like lightened it, and we were like, no, 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 more. <laughs> like he's going to a Depeche Mode concert. <laughs> but he pulls it off. Um, let's talk about Gold. Um, Gold Rumple is such a great character on the show, and he's so torn. We're seeing a lot of the good and evil stuff with him, especially he can be in a lovely scene with Belle in this episode, but then he can also be thinking about killing Henry. Well, we said at season one when he said, I'm a difficult man to love, and that is his character. So just the minute you love him and he's lovable, he just does something horrible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, th I think for all these characters, you know, Emma was supposed to break the curse and return their happy endings. I think she broke the curse, but the happy endings we're still searching for, and that's the journey of the show. And so I think he is on that path to finding out. Right now, unfortunately for him, he's on a path where the prophecy said he's going to die. So we'll see if he survives that. Will, will he still be kind of out for Henry in some regard because that boy is his undoing? Excellent question. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, like, I mean, the thing with Gold is it's, you know, th that's what's cool about him to us as writers, which is he's torn between competing impulses, like what he knows he should be doing what and and what his various agendas are and they and they oftentimes conflict and he oftentimes makes choices that none of us would make i hope and um you know it's it's interesting like for us when we were writing the finale um you know we were all at first he just wants to do the easy thing and the dark thing and just he realized that once again he messed up and he lost his friend so he says i'm just going to go back and hang out with lacy and we're going to die but he then needed someone to share these emotions with in his last moment. And so when he sees that ship come back and you go and you look at his face, he realizes this is a sign and it's a sign that's telling him it's time to do the right thing. So even though it may lead to his death, he knows he has to go and honor his son by getting his son back. And, and, that's, and it is him being noble at the end of this season. And the question is, you know, how, how will he be able to maintain that and Golden Bell, probably one of the super couples of the show. Yeah. I love seeing them together. Um, since Bell is not on the boat, is that going to bring some conflict for them? They're not actually together. Well, it's it's you know it's going to be another challenge to their relationship. They're separated, but you know he left her behind to protect her and to protect her from you know from from anything. And, and, and I think also in a lot of ways he went there with a very focused attitude of saving Henry. I think all these things will be, be shown, I think, in season two. Um, are all the magic beans gone now? Um. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, got my answer. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little more about Snow, Snow's Dark Heart, which we touched on a lot this year after she killed Cora. And Regina basically said, like, it's getting darker. And you guys definitely went there. Um, is that going to be a big part of her journey in season three? Well, I think that her journey in season three is interesting. At the end when she said, let's do the hard thing, was the moment she realized, like, it's time to, it's time to start doing the right thing. And I'm the one that has to deal with this heart. And I think that with Henry being gone, what you'll see in season three, is that what's required in this mission is Snow White, but the bandit king. You know, um, and there's, it's time for her to rise to the hero that she was to save her grandson. So I think you're going to see a lot of these characters. What Henry's going to do is force them to, to. Uh, I'll let Brandon answer for you. <laughs> oh, Brandon. Was that you? No. <laughs> it was my wife. So bored of hearing me talk. Um, you're going to see. I think this 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 whole Neverland experience is going to force all the characters to become who they who they truly are. You know, right now we need Prince Charming on that boat, and uh, you know we need Snow and we need the Savior. Um, just talk about good versus evil a little bit, because in, in fairy tales that we we all read when we were kids, it was always very clear who was good, who was evil. You guys definitely have gone a different route with that, because it's always very muddled for everybody. Talk about how you've approached that. As writers and in the writers' room, I think I think one of our writer, your writers yeah, is I here. Think, uh, is uh, is Jane, Jane Espenson here today? Yeah. Yay. We uh, we get all the credit, but you need to understand that we have a staff of very talented people. Jane, Jane. stand up so everyone can harass you after. Hey, Jane. Jane Espenson. Jane is also helping us on Wonderland. Yeah, Jane. Jane joined us in the first season, and we have locked her in a room and won't let her go. Yeah. Um, but um, oh, yeah, good, good, good versus, versus evil. evil. Um, we like both. Um, I, I think that you know it, 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 it seems black and white, but their their life isn't black and white. And so I think that people are always faced with difficult circumstances where sometimes it's easier to do the wrong thing than it is the right thing, and vice versa. And so for us, we always you know it, it as writers, it, it would be boring if the evil queen was just evil because she was evil, you know. So for us, we want to see the pain behind it and the torture. And what we love so much about the Evil Queen is, is a is a person who is trying to find her own happy ending. She just goes about it in a really disastrous way. Well, a lot of a lot of the Twitter questions I got was also about you know Regina needs some love in her life. She and she hasn't had any in a while. Yes, sure uh, Frank and Daniel did not work out. He ended up turning to Ash. Um, <laughs> no, I mean she does. They all need love in their life. In a lot of ways, all the characters are looking for love. Yeah, I mean that's you know we always kind of say that's kind of the franchise of the show, which is love in all its forms. And you know Regina is a character who you know who definitely has felt love, lost it, and uh, you know and a lot of her actions I think are the result of that. But I would be interested to see her in Florida. I think we all would. Someone to give her a misfit. <laughs> She's earned it. <laughs> she may have to rip his heart out to get it, but she'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> great. Um, Emma's magic was also something we saw pieces of throughout the season. The finale definitely had a great moment there. What What are kind of in the works for Emma and her magic? Is it something that's still going to get parceled out slowly, or is she going to kind of find out? Do a show in Vegas. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. It's been hard getting the tiger. Um, <laughs> Emma, you know, I think that Emma realized she had magic and. Um, 
kind of was in denial about it. And then at the end, if we notice, she's not really in control of it, nor has she really had time in season two to contemplate that. And season three is definitely going to be, she's going to ask the question, why, why, am I, why do I have magical capabilities? What does it really mean to be the savior? And we're going to dive a lot deeper into Emma's character, and we're going to see a lot more of her past, um, like we did this year. We saw a glimpse of it in Tallahassee. So we can kind of really uh, explore more about what makes Emma tick. And we've seen episodes where we saw how Cora learned her powers and how Regina learned her powers. Could Regina maybe help Emma? Because they definitely came together in this episode, and that's just that's just off the top of my uh, head. That could happen. I don't, you know, I mean, her parents may have a, a, an opinion about being trained by her, but you know, circumstances may call for it. I mean, you know, we've we've seen a couple of instances where the two of them together have created some kind of magic or used magic. So there's, you know, there is some kind of connection we've seen, and you know, we're not going to ignore. I wanted to ask about Henry. Of course, we got a nice little piece at the end where Henry's Henry's in trouble. <laughs> but first, how are you guys dealing with the fact that Henry's getting older and so is Jared Gilmore, who plays him? No, no he's not. He's not? <laughs> that's been slowed it down? It is in his contract. He doesn't age. So, <laughs> I mean, that's a breach. Um, you know, the thing is, is we're moving in time. So, uh, you know, he can he's he can grow up, you know. it's it's, it's, it's Look, you know, it's the Walt question that, we, you know, we always got on Lost, but the difference is, we're six seasons of Lost, and someone can answer this better than I can. Yeah. We were how how many seconds of Lost? Seven days. Yeah, and I think know, the the whole six years took place in less than a year, and we're we're, we're kind of moving in, in time, I think. So it's okay for him to grow. Yeah, more or less real time is a season of you know, not exactly, but enough now that he's allowed to grow. Yeah, we're not bringing in cousin Oliver. Does everybody know who Cousin Oliver is? Yes. Okay, good. Good. I love that. Uh, you know what? Maybe we will. Yeah. He's available. He's available. Um, I know you guys get asked this a lot, but your kind of wish list for other fairy tale characters or whether they're Disney characters. I mean, I, I would say that, you know, first and foremost, like our wish list is up on the screen right now. So we want to, you know, really continue with those characters and, and really diving into them more. But we, you know, we hope to have, you know, more, you know, surprise visitors throughout the season. Um, but again, trying to do it in service of the characters that, you know, we've been living living with now for two years. Now, you guys have built a great stable of one your regulars and then also guest stars. Um, will we see Barbara Hershey again? You know. I mean, I, I, for us, it's I, I think there are still more chorus stories to be told. Um, and uh, I, I definitely think we'll see Barbara Hershey again, at least in a flashback. And, you know. Yeah, and, and particularly with the Wonderland show, there are, there are more and more opportunities, you know, to build theme parks. So. That might be a good segue, actually, yeah. talk about Wonderland a little bit. And I think you guys might have brought something mm. for us. Yes, we brought a little, okay. what do you call it, clip? A little sizzle reel, something. Yeah. Uh, something a little, a little taste of it. Uh, we yeah. Let's. I guess for lots of questions. First, why Wonderland? Why was this the choice? When there's so many worlds, you guys could pick. Why you this know, one? It's it's funny. And in, in the first season of Once, we went to Wonderland very briefly, and when we were talking about it and the world, we got really excited about the possibilities, and um, we were thinking about Alice as a character as well, and. 
there's so much we wanted to do with her, we realized this is not something we could just cram into Once Upon a Time, and it actually started to seem to be something we thought could support a show. Yeah, uh, for us, you know, we what's what we love about Wonderland is that if you're a fan of Once, you know, there will be things that you'll be like, ah, but if you've never seen Once, it's its own thing. It's not just a spin-off. It is actually its own world with its own characters, and, you know, for us, what we loved about it also was we just wanted to kind of do like a very limited, you know, this is a story about the search for her to find her lost love, and, you know, that is what the show's about, and it's going to be a very limited, you know, with a beginning, middle, and end. Again, very iconic characters yeah. throughout this. How challenging was casting, because you guys have done it so much on Once Upon a Time and done it very well, has it, has it been challenging? It, it's incredibly challenging, you know, and I think we got incredibly lucky to find some amazing, amazing actors to, to play these parts. Yeah, and Sophie Lowe, who plays Alice, is amazing, and we can't wait for you, everyone, to see her. She's fantastic. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's, um, the process is, it's, it's always, it's a weird one. It's like, you've got the idea for the show in your head and what you're thinking about for the characters, and then you start to meet actors, and then you really have to open yourself up to this idea of it's going to be this combination. What they bring to it, what you're bringing to it, kind of becomes a whole new thing. And you know, and when you find someone who's perfect, you've got to start to, you know, let what they're doing influence what you're doing, and it becomes this back and forth that hopefully creates something better than anyone could have imagined. You said you want this to kind of be a show that pe if people didn't watch once, they could watch this. But will characters cross into this world at all from once? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, uh, I would be disappointed if we didn't see the Queen of Hearts at least in a flashback, and you know, there will be people uh, coming in and out, perhaps. But it is not. That is not the focus of the show. The show really is the focus of Alice and her journey and the people she's with. You guys love love and romance. And of mm -hmm. course, we can see that in here with uh, the Alice Cyrus romance. Cyrus is kind of dreamy, don't you think? <laughs> Will, yeah, see? Will's not so bad either, the knave of hearts. Yeah. Um, talk about how important that is going to be in the show, love and romance and that whole Well, you know, for us, that there is no greater stake than that. You know, the the when you're watching a movie, you know, maybe there's, you know, the aliens have attacked the world, but what you really care about is are they going to save the person they love? And so for us, that was the inspiration for this show, is we wanted to tell this epic love story in a way that felt like a big summer movie, but at its core still had the romance and the hope of once, you know? Um, John Lithgow voices the White Rabbit. Yes. That's great. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. He's yeah. amazing. Will, will he uh, will just be his voice, or yeah. would we ever see him? Uh, John, I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, as of right now, the plan is just with his voice and the character as you kind of, you see it in there. But who knows? Mm, who knows? Yeah. You guys already talked about, you know, Sebastian Stan, very busy actor. Yes. Mad Hatter, he was so good on Once. But I guess just for people that maybe don't know, can you talk about where that character stands and any chance of seeing I Sebastian? Mean, it stands, as it always does, with us uh, loving him and wanting him to be on every episode and him being incredibly busy and around the world. He, he's he's, uh, he's uh, shooting um, right now uh, Captain, America. Captain America. And Two. he's just very busy, so no, it's he's very hard. There's always an open invitation to him, and if we can work out schedules and he's willing to... We'd love to work him in, which is why we would not recast the character. Or we've worked out the story in a way that the Mad Hatter can exist within the story. We just have to but make the But to, to be honest with the crowd, it's like his schedule's so busy, I, I'm not sure it can happen this year. We've got one more question, then we're going to open it up for you guys to ask some questions. Um, Will, 
you know, we see in the clip, there's a little bit of Alice, I think when she first was in Wonderland, then we see her, I guess, quote, present day. Will it kind of bounce back and forth, or is it going to be just one story pushing forward? It's it's one story pushing forward, but there will be bouncing back and forth to either earlier journeys to Wonderland or her time, you know, with her family, hinted at in some of the clips. So there's also yeah, we're also going to find out more about Cyrus, and uh, there was a very glimpse uh, to the person helping her. His name's Michael Soka, and he's in Ava Parts. So we're going to get his story. So there's new uh, stories to be told, and, and, and very similar to ones, we will go back and forth. It's your guys' turn. You got questions uh, about Once Upon a Time or Wonderland or both? Right here in the front. It's a great question because it's 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 a, it's a complicated process. So, you know, the short answer is we, we try to have, you know, endpoints and big signposts of where we want to go, but we have to leave some room for flexibility to discover things along the way that, you know, we want to characters and places we want to spend time with. Um, so, for instance, Captain Hook, we actually knew uh, that uh, we always wanted to have uh, Rumpelstiltskin be the crocodile. So we knew that we wanted to do Hook, but once you know, Hook came to life, you start getting inspired to do other things. But for us, it's, we never want to be so rigid that you don't leave room for creativity because it, that, that's the whole point. And, um, but you do, you know, uh, Damon and Carlton used to call it a road trip on Lost. We know we're going from LA to New York, but along the way you might see like, oh my God, world's largest potato, go, go, go. <laughs> and so that's how we try to do it. We know we're trying to get to New York, but if we see a giant potato, I mean, Jane would be the first to go, we have to go. A potato that looks like Abe Lincoln? <laughs> Jane's probably seen a potato. <laughs> All right, anyone else? Questions? Uh, right here in the middle. I mean, I it's. I think it's. it's been a combination of both from the start. You know, it's, uh, it, you know, for example, you know, Bobby Carlyle was someone who, when we imagine Rumpelstiltskin, that's who we wanted. And we wrote same with Jennifer. And same with Ginny. But like Josh Dallas for Prince Charming came in and blew us away. And, you know, so there was somebody who came in and Josh was so good at Charming. You know, to be honest, in the pilot, he was a much smaller character. And once we got up to Vancouver, Josh was so good that he, you know, the character grew with him. And, and you know, even, even now this year we're excited because we feel like there's time before he even met Snow we haven't seen. You know, we glimpsed that that we're excited to show. In the first draft of the pilot, Charming died. Yeah. I mean, he really died. He did. And, and the, the, network, <laughs> the network looked at us and said, the network looked at us. It was the greatest note. And they go, so you're going to kill Prince Charming so Snow White never has hope of a happy ending. We're like, yeah. isn't that cool? And, and uh, you know, it was a case where the network was right, and we would not be here right now had we, had we killed Charming in the pilot. No, that, that was a lesson learned, but. All right, who else? Right here? Um, we are absolutely 
uh, open to that. And, and for us, it is a matter of um, the right time and the, and, and to, to the right story, and it is something we discuss. And yeah. it is something we're very open to. And it's just not uh, something we've done yet. And it's, and it's the same as with any love story. If we were to do it, we'd have to do it right and, you know, and give it its due. But it is certainly something we're open to. Yeah. Right here in front. It's, it's it's a moving target. Yeah, it's it's a crazy process because you know the show does span different worlds and all these different characters. But you know we have an incredible team, and for example, like our costume designer Eduardo Castro and our production designer Michael Doy, at a very early stage, we'll get the the outlines and the notions of what we're doing, and we'll start the beginning concept with artwork and designs very early. So we're all sort of thinking at once about how we're going to you know, take the ideas and turn them into what you're seeing on the screen. Yeah, I mean, we change it, you know, in the writer's room, we put everything on a whiteboard, and that's the episode, and then a writer will go off and write the outline, and then after that, we'll change it, and then the script will come in and we'll change it, and then it'll go to, s to set, and what you're hoping is along the way, you have new inspiration that just keeps making it better and more focused. And who else has a question? Yep, we got another one here. Um, you know, for us, it's it's you want a director that understands your vision but brings something to it as well. So, you know, the s the 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 yeah, it's I think it's the same with the collaboration with every department within the show. Is we want to bring on people who will bring their own inspiration, but who will work within the you know the umbrella of what the show is trying to achieve. And there's nothing that makes us happier than a director who comes in and reads a script and says, you know, I know a way to do this that's even cooler than what you envisioned. And then if we can all come to the, you know, the best idea, then that's that's the greatest thing. But the, it's it's a tricky, tricky thing, I think, in episodic, with episodic directors coming into a show if you're not part of the show day to day, week to week for every episode. So, you know, we've been very lucky to find incredible directors who, you know, can come in and hit the moving target and bring something unique to it. Time for a few more. Anyone else? That little girl. There you go. Who would you like to play? Who's your agent? <laughs> um, we well, we're going to Neverland, home of the Lost Boys, and I know that's a place where uh, people don't grow old. So I think we might have more children along the way. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna make sure I'm not missing people in the back. Well, it, it is. It's uh, Eduardo Castro who does all of our costumes is a genius. So it, it's sometimes like, for instance, the Mad Hatter. Adam and I said he needs to be Mick Jagger in the late 60s. Rock and roll. Like, that's what we want. And then Eduardo will send a sketch and like that. But sometimes, um, like with the evil queen getting out of a carriage, that is an Eduardo special. We'll just write, the queen gets out and sees Hansel and Gretel, and he'll put that cool cape and the thing, and you see this, this he sends us sketches, 
and and uh, it's a collaboration. So we we never we ch very rarely do we want to say here's what we want. What we're really more interested in is Eduardo, what do you what are you seeing, and and then you kind of have that conversation because you don't want to restrict someone's creativity. You want to see what they bring, and then you just kind of want to shape it together and find that third way that's even better than 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 the all parties thought of. Yeah, the best case is that the inspiration runs both ways. What we write inspires him, and what he creates inspires us. Yeah, I've I've been on set up there and seen Eduardo's room with all these different costumes, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, by the way, amazing. Alice Alice in Wonderland, uh, we did four days. We did we shot it for four days at the end of our uh, our season finale, and the costumes you saw he put together in one week. Any other questions right here? That's funny because I was thinking of another Han Solo moment we had, but never mind. But well, wait, wait, wait. We didn't steal did, from that. Did Greedo love Han? I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's funny because a lot of the times um, you're seeing it, it's been, we wrote it three months ago. <laughs> So um, uh, it's 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 hard to change. You you do want to hear, uh, you do hear fan uh, thoughts, and you're always trying to please the fans. Um, but at the same time, you 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 try to s stay to your vision. So for us, um, in that particular moment, Emma this whole year has been denying she had feelings for Neil. It was ten years ago. I don't care. I don't care. And then in that moment, as you see with Emma and she did it with her parents when she called them mom and dad. It's not until all hope is lost that Emma's wall breaks down and she says that. So for us, that, that was the inspiration for that moment. And it's the kind of thing that you try to build to over the course of a season. So you know, while we try to listen to the fans and be aware of them, really the best way for us to do it is to approach the show as fans, to think about if we were fans of the show, what would we want to see, how, how, what, what would excite us and surprise us and keep us in it. Yeah, uh, but the Han Solo moment I thought you were talking about is when Hook comes back at the show. <laughs> right? <laughs> or when Henry gets frozen in carbonite. Yeah! <laughs> oh, oh, that's next season. That's next season. <laughs> he owes Java. All right, our time for one more question. We'll take it from here. Thank you. You. Well, you know, what's, what's really cool about the system we've got in place is we actually have a system where we can have the, the actors act on a green screen stage, but we have the effects kind of roughed in so they can actually see on the monitor what it looks like and what the environment they're in is like in three dimensions. But uh, it's interesting. Our, our, our actors are so strong, and you know the thing that we always say is this has to feel real. And so we were on set one day. It was the Miller's Daughter episode where Emma had to, to draw the invisible chalk. And um, we were in the monitors, which was in the back part of the shop. And if you remember, she comes back and she draws the line and she's waiting for Neil. And Neil has that little exchange. So, so Jamo, uh, Jennifer comes back. The scene is still going on. They haven't yelled cut. And she came back. She had the chalk. And I watched her go like this and put it in her pocket. There was no chalk. It was invisible. But she was so in the moment 
that she wanted to put it away for later. <laughs> and I looked at her and, and I said, do you realize that she did that? And she went, oh my God. <laughs> and that's how, that's, that's, that's the talent of the actor. That, that whether it's green screen or you know, a dwarf or a fake fairy, they are in it. In fact, for Wonderland, we just had a puppet of the, <laughs> the white rabbit. They literally had a stick, <laughs> so they would be turning to this stick going, wait, what are you saying, rabbit? All right. Um, thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much for coming. Thank thanks for the great everyone. questions. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, John. Now leaving Nerdist.com.